Well, church, let's, uh, let's move now into a time of prayer. If you would, please join me in that. There, there was something that came to me during the, the Ash Wednesday service, and I just want to share it again uh, this morning as a way that you and I can move into a time of prayer and communion with the Lord. So I, I, I'll go ahead and just have you think of this visual. As we're bowing our heads and as we're praying, Imagine yourself just for a moment just falling into the hands of the Lord Almighty as a way of signifying this, that God is listening, that God is present, okay, that God cares, okay? So you and I literally just falling into the presence of the Lord. Let's try that. If you would, let's bow our heads. Just take that image Okay, and just place it there in your mind as a way of just quieting the noise in our minds, as a way to just settle our spirits. If you need to take a deep breath even, please do so. Loving God, sometimes, Lord, our hearts turn in every direction except towards you. Help us, O oh God, to turn our hearts toward you, to gaze upon you in trust, and to seek your kingdom with all of our hearts. Soften, Lord, our hardened hearts so that we might love others as a way always to glorify and to worship you. Grant us this, Lord, with the ever-present guidance of the Holy Spirit, because we can't do it without the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in our lives. For you, O oh God, have sculpted a people for yourself out of such things as the rocks of wilderness and fasting, Help us as we take up your invitation to prayer and to simplicity, that the discipline of these next 40 days may in fact sharpen our hunger for the feast of your holy friendship and even whet our thirst for the living water that you offer through your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave us the Lord's Prayer. And let us use this prayer or something quite like it in the Word of God as a way to take each of these Lenten days serious, as a way of anchoring us in the Word of God as we walk hand in hand with Jesus Christ, who gave us the Lord's Prayer, praying together now. Please join me, church. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen and amen. So church, we're turning now to the gospel 
of Luke. Uh, This is a, a wonderful text that comes to us every Christian calendar year. It always is given to us uh, the first Sunday of Lent. It's a, I, I, I've preached from it before, church, but there's so much there for you and I to hear and to reflect on and apply. I wanted to go there uh, again, particularly uh, to how Jesus responds to the enemy. So if you would, please stand out of respect for the Word of God and also the words of our Lord and Savior. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Satan tempts Jesus in the wilderness. It says this, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all during that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all of the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone that I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Verse 8, Jesus replied, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Church, this is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen, and you may be seated. So, church, what I would like to do is to state uh, a truth that you and I certainly can uh, hear and receive because uh, it is something that I believe uh, applies to each and every one of us, okay? And, and here's, here's the truth that we all uh, need to hear. Now, think about this just as it relates to life. Uh, it relates to the wins that you and I have in life. It also relates to the losses that we have in life. But it is truth that you and I can stand on. And here it is. After the blessing, church, comes the battle. After the mountaintop comes the valley. And after the victory 
comes to te- comes the test. Is that true? Can I get an amen on that? I, I mean, that that is so real. It's so relevant uh, to life. And as, of course, as we grow, as we mature, we see that, we live through that. But of course, we are here to speak about it. And uh, each of us has a testimony to that. So I, I want us to think of the blessings, okay, uh, in this way. But let me speak a moment about Luke. Here's what we need to know about Luke. Luke was a physician. He was a medical doctor. He was also a historian. So details for this apostle were very important. Luke wanted to connect names and dates as he put together this eyewitness account of Jesus Christ from his life to his death and then on to the resurrection. That's why when you read through the Gospel of Luke, you have very important detail in this text that's not necessarily in other Gospel texts, but it's because Luke wanted to make sure that he was dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Let, let, let me just give you an example here, okay? Before this reading uh, of chapter 4, I would just invite you to go back and read the first three chapters of Luke, okay? Just to get a sense of uh, his attention to detail. Uh, Luke gives us a detailed birth account of the Savior, Jesus. And then from there, in Jesus' very early life, as it was custom for each Jewish boy, he was circumcised. And then he was presented in the temple. And then we have uh, this gospel account of where John the Baptist then baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River, which leads us right to chapter 4. Okay, So the birth and the presentation of the Christ child, the circumcision, all of these things, church, if you think about it, are blessings, are they not? They are mountaintop moments. They are victories for the kingdom of God. We get to chapter 4, and something takes place that I want uh, to mention here. Scripture says it uh, very nicely, very beautifully. Uh, I, I want to just read it here for you, verse 1 and 2. Let, listen to this. Then Jesus, Scripture says, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was just baptized. He was literally and fully immersed. God says, this is my son. Please listen to him. Pay attention to what he's got to say here. He was led by the Spirit, here it is, pay attention to this, into the wilderness. Okay, that's his test, you see. That's his challenge. Let me continue, verse 2, where he was then tempted by the devil. Take note of this, 40 days. That's significant. Okay, it's both in Old and New Testament texts. There are many parts, many verses, many scriptures, many books of God's word that speak about 40 days or 40 years. Here it is, our Savior in the wilderness for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all and became very hungry. 
Now, I want you to take note of this, okay? And please listen to what I'm saying. This is so key, okay? The devil, the enemy, knew Jesus' weakness. Scripture says that it was hunger, you see. He was famished. He was depleted, as anyone would be, right? The devil knew Jesus' weakness, and he attacked that weakness, you see. That's the first thing that I want to bring up, but let me tell you how that relates to you and I, and I need your undivided attention. I need you to hear me say this, and please do not ever, ever forget this. Church, please be aware of your own weaknesses. Take note of what they are. Embrace them. Own them. Be aware of your own weaknesses because the devil will attack you where you are weak and where you are vulnerable. You've got to know that. You've got to know that, church. That is a reality. That is as real, church, listen to me, as the nose on our faces. Know what your weaknesses are, church, and you can bet that the devil will attack those weaknesses and vulnerabilities. Here's another way of saying that, okay? Know what your red zone is, okay? If it is a location, if it is a person, if it is an object, whatever it may be, if that thing will get you into trouble, if that is your red zone, stay away from it. Call that what it is. It's a weakness. It's a vulnerability. The problem about these temptations, about these weaknesses, about these vulnerabilities, if we just simply give in to them, listen, it will take us down a very destructive path, okay? Know your weaknesses, church. That is so key. So what I want to do now is move uh, to the three temptations, okay, that the devil presented to our Savior. Now, let me say this before we go there. Church, the devil is not creative. Did you hear that? The devil by no means is creative. But the devil is very, very clever. Did you hear that? A big difference. The enemy is not creative, but the enemy is very very clever. Okay, let, let me unpack the text and explain myself. Three temptations, okay, three very clever ways that the devil was trying to tempt Jesus. Number one, it was the lust of the flesh, okay? It applies to Jesus. He tried to use that clever way on Jesus and on us. So it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of the world. Okay, none of us are exempt here. Each of these things can take us down a very destructive path. Let's unpack it here. Verse 3, listen to this. 
Then the devil said to him, that being Jesus, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. Church, that signifies the lust of the flesh, and each of us, unfortunately, is not exempt from that, okay? Whether it being you and I not being content on what we have, okay, seeking, lusting after more, 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 more. It's, in a sense, you and I digging and grabbing into the world only, only, only to satisfy the appetite and not the spirit. That's important. You see, there is a huge, huge difference taking from the world only to satisfy an appetite and not the spirit. That is key. That is lust of the flesh. If that is one of your temptations, if that is one of your weaknesses, if that is one of your vulnerabilities, church, in the name of Jesus, own it and know it, okay? That is destructive. Let me continue here. Listen to verse 5 and 7, very key. It says, then the devil took him up and revealed to him all of the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone that I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Church, you see what the devil's doing here? He's showing us eye candy. Oh, and it sparkles. Let me just tell you, it is fine. Absolutely golden, right? Lust of the eyes. Only again, you see, appealing to the fleshly nature, to the appetite, not to the spirit. Lust of the eyes. I got to have that. And we're seeing that going on right now in our world. It is right there in our faces. We have folks in leadership who just want more, lusting after more, lusting after more power, lusting after more authority. It is right there in our faces. You see how relevant this is? You see, lusting with the eyes. I got to have it. I gotta have this country. I gotta have these people. I've gotta have more power. It's there, church. It's there, lusting with the eyes. Let me continue here. Listen to verse 9 through 11. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and to guard you. Verse 11, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Church, the pride of life. If you just bow down, if you just worship me, you can have it all, and you're protected, okay? and I will look after you, and I will give you what 
you want. The only problem, you see, with this promise, with this offer, is it comes from the deceiver himself, whose goal always, you see, is to kill, to, to steal, and to destroy, and to ultimately do away with the body of Christ. That's the devil's intent. And you see, he started with the Savior himself. You see, that's how important it is, the devil's goal to do his destructive work. That's, that's how dangerous the enemy is. Now, let me make this statement, okay, about the devil being clever. Did you notice that the enemy himself used Scripture on Jesus. Did you catch that? Okay. He wasn't just pulling these words from the air. Okay. He was not making up what he was reciting to Jesus. He was taking it from the Word of God. So, church, you must know that the enemy is clever. You see, he will use the Word of God, listen, listen, to misrepresent it and to abuse it to get his way and to sway each and every one of you. We have a very learned enemy. We have a very competent enemy. We have a very clever enemy. So please don't ever think that the devil himself is a mere fantasy, okay? The devil is very, very real, and he will tempt us. And the church, quite frankly, is under attack, you see, because the door gets opened Oh, it does. The door gets open, and the devil will use those weaknesses. The devil will use those vulnerabilities then to move in that open door and to begin to pounce. Scripture says it very clearly. Satan is like a, get this, a roaring lion. Have you been to a zoo lately and seen a, a lion roar? That's a scary thing, and I'm glad that there is a big, tall fence between the lion and I and that the lion is 100 yards away, right? A roaring lion, church, that's the enemy. Scripture says this as well, that the devil is a roaring lion, and his intent is to devour, okay, to devour. The devil can use misrepresentation, you see, and perversion of the word to do just that. And he will always, the enemy, start with the church. So, temptation, church, is the devil's greatest tool. Listen now. Temptation is the devil's greatest tool to defeat you and I, the believer, the body of Christ. So I'm going to ask of you today, whatever tempts you, whatever your vulnerabilities are, don't hide from them. Don't sweep them under the carpet. Don't wish them 
away. Own what they are, church. Own what they are. Own what they are, please. Know what they are and be in prayer with God about them. That's where it starts. Whether it's a breath prayer of, Lord, please, in the name of Jesus Christ, help me, heal me, release me of whatever my vulnerabilities are, whatever my weaknesses are, start there, church. Please do not try to white-knuckle whatever your weaknesses are. Please don't try to use your own understanding or knowledge or know-how to work through them, church. Yeah, it may be okay for a day, for a week, for a month, but we are limited, you see, in our strength and in our capability. But God, God, you see, is unlimited. And Scripture says, with God, all things are possible. Bring it, bring it, church, to God first in prayer. So I'll close with this. If temptation is the devil's tool to defeat us, we also need to hear the flip side. And it's good news, church, and I want to lift you up and I want you to hear this, and I hope it's encouraging. You see, the Word of God, then, is the very spiritual tool that can be, in fact, our armor, Scripture says. It can guard us. It can armor us. It can guide us, and it can, in fact, be used to defeat the devil. Jesus did it, you see, in the wilderness, and he was fasting for 40 days. You and I can do the same thing. So we're not distracted. We're not divided. We're not defeated. But in fact, using the Word of God will have a victory for us. And let me just go to one piece of Scripture here as a way of closing. It's the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, excuse me, verse 5 and 6. This brings it all together, you see, church. Trusting what is the Word of God and His guidance. Listen to this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all that you do, and He will show you which path to take. Church, with God... All things are possible. The Word of God speaks. Are we listening? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, each and every one of us need protection. Each and every one of us need clarity. Each and every one of us seeks something that is bigger, that is larger, that is more powerful than us, and that is you, oh God. Sure, we all get tempted. Sure, we all have weaknesses. Let's not run away from them any longer. Let us bring them to the cross, Lord, and leave them there. Your power is mighty to save. Let us believe it and know it. In Jesus we pray. Amen.